Hello, 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 and welcome to Rainbows Rising, where we ascend together. I'm your host, Rainbow Raja. This month we're talking about storytelling. Not just how creating stories can help you manifest your dreams, or talking about how different perspectives can change your life, because those are definitely things we'll be talking about. Today, I'm going to be diving into how negative narratives can create dysfunction in your life. Now, negative narratives are all that negative self-talk and all those limiting beliefs and limiting stories that we tell ourselves, that we repeat, that we end up telling our friends and family and, and even new acquaintances. But the truth is, We all have negative narratives. We all have been silently poisoning our minds and our self-esteem in one way or another. It's not something that, that is going to destroy you, but it is something to become aware of and to start to take action to change those narratives to make them more supportive, to make them more inspirational. So I'm just going to give um, my own personal life experience of how a negative narrative literally drove my life into the ground. Um, When I was younger, when I was 10, I got diagnosed with bipolar type 1. And... uh, it all started with like this this emotional outburst I had um, at, on Mother's Day at the Getty Museum. My mom and dad, we had looked at all this incredible fine art. I had a great day. Uh, as a 10-year-old, you get to do all these like really cool interactive things. I was like, hand, you know, painting and, and using uh, pastels and, and char- charcoal. Made some art for my mom. We looked at a lot of uh, Malignani, which is like her favorite artist. And I I got to see this like really cool painting with this rabbit, right? And as we were walking through, we walked past the, the uh, gift shop. And as most kids do, they we look in the window. And I saw on the gift shop's shelf these little brass mice. My mom collects these weird little brass things in her house. And like she has a little uh, rabbit holding a tray. And she has this little monkey holding a mirror. And these little trinkets like I've seen my whole life. And they've always been these little animals doing weird things. But this little mouse had like a little backpack. And it had all these like little thimbles and um, spools of thread in its backpack. And when I saw it. I was like, wow, it would be really cool to show my mom that I found her something. It wasn't something I could afford. I was 10. I I didn't have money. But I was so excited to show it to her. And what happened is I went, I showed her the the as we were walking past when the place was closing. I was like, mom, I want to show you this. And she was like, we just don't have time. She just like dismissed me. 
and I had a panic attack. Now, at the time, I didn't know I was having a panic attack, and I, like, flipped out. And this really concerned my parents because it it was a huge emotional uh, explosion, as they uh, expressed. And so for years, my parents were always telling me that my emotions were out of control, that I was mentally ill, that I wouldn't have a normal life, that there was something wrong with me, that I was like this, this like diseased person, this mentally diseased person, that my reality, that the things I, I, I saw and experienced in my life were not true. Um, now, my parents, it, it's not like they were saying these things in a way that was meant to be abusive or harmful. Um, these were just facts of bipolar. Your, your reality just isn't, uh, it's, it's warped in some way or whatever. Now, I wish my parents had gotten a second opinion. I wish, um, you know, I, I had a different therapist. There's a lot of things I wish. But my narrative growing up from that moment where I saw therapists, they diagnosed me literally in the very first appointment and my entire life changed. It was like seeing a therapist two, two days out of the week and having people constantly tell me um, how out of control I was or how broken I was. And um, that became my narrative. That was a negative narrative. Now, that wasn't something I started with. That was something I developed. And I really started to question my own reality. Like, is my reality even real? Um, and through growing up with my parents, my parents had a tendency of they would make promises or they would suggest things they wanted to do. Or I would be like, hey, can I have a sleepover with these people? And they'd be like, yeah, that's great. We'll talk about it next weekend when the time comes. And when the time came, my parents would just be like, we never talked about that. You never mentioned this before. We never said we would let you do that, even if they had said it, even if there was a witness. And now that I'm older, I look back, my parents were 50 years old when I was 10. Like, they were probably already having memory issues. And that neg negatively impacted me because they didn't actually remember these conversations they didn't remember these promises they didn't remember saying those things and because of that they really made me question uh my own sanity constantly which made me emotionally act out and this narrative that i had uh became so toxic that it warped who i was as a person and it really made me like this person i hated for over 10 years, of, I lost 10 years of my life to a negative narrative that I was this mentally, emotionally broken person, that my reality wasn't real, that my emotions didn't matter because they were just, you know, delusions anyway. Like I could just blow up and, you know, it didn't matter because I was bipolar and nobody gave a, you know, but about me, you know, uh, like nobody cared. Nobody cared how I actually felt because I was just crazy and um, I was just blowing everything out of proportion. And that is how a negative narrative, you know, just starting with a diagnosis or starting with somebody telling me I was fat, my parents, they would, you know, tell me, oh, you know, you're getting a little big or you're big boned. I heard a lot of people tell me I had 
childbearing hips when I was really little. Don't tell a little girl they have childbearing hips. That is like super weird. At the time, I just, you know, to me that says, hey, you're fat. And so I went on believing that. And there was a little girl. I'm not going to say her name, but I was on the playground at my elementary school and I was climbing on the jungle gym and I was having a grand old time. She called me a fat retard. I remember it. I didn't know what a retard was, but I knew what fat was because my mom called my dad fat all the time. So I was like, okay, well, I know fat's a negative thing, but I don't know what a retard is. So I asked my teacher and then I got her in trouble and she hated me from that point on. So then she told everybody I was this fat retard and that became a negative narrative for me that I was less smart or less intelligent than other people and that I was fat. Like really mean things, cruel things that children said to me that became a negative narrative. Even though it wasn't my identity, it hurt. It really stung and I I took that on. And now as an adult, I know that's not my identity and I don't take that anymore. I completely changed it. Like her home life, that little girl, like she never said this, but I got to kind of visit her house at one point. She had a really, really hard home life. She had like this abusive stepfather and she had like a really, really hard dynamic at home that I think when she was being cruel to other kids, It was because that's how she was being talked to at home. She didn't get a lot of love talk and support from her family. And I I didn't know that as a kid. And it took me into my teens to recognize that this girl who had hurt me so bad that I like resented her into my teenage years, she was just hurting. She was in pain. And that one thing she said to me, completely changed my internal narrative about who I was. So look back on your past. Look at what people called you, what people referred to you as, um, whether it was using metaphors as a way to like relate your body or your personality to things. I was called motor mouth by my dad for a long time. Maybe it was a term of endearment. Maybe he was making a joke, you know, oh, motor mouth. But talking became something that I hated about myself but could not stop because I had anxiety and I would talk when I was nervous, which was all the time. And so I continued to be motor mouth for a long time. I didn't know how to listen. And it was something I genuinely hated about myself. I I just, I, I was just the talkative, oh, you know, I was just talking everybody's ears off. I talk too loud. I talk too annoying. I'm just constantly talking. Gah, 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 gah. Well, haha, look where I am now. I've got a podcast. <laughs> but the narrative, it was such a negative thing to be this chatty chick. And... Instead of seeing the power in communication, these people in my life spun this as this negative quality and it became my identity. It became my narrative. 
And it hurt me. It made me hate myself. It made me hate my qualities, which were strong. Communication is a quality that not a lot of people have. The ability to articulate feelings and ideas into words that other people can understand, that is a strength. And I wish people had seen that in me and said, wow, you'd be a really good leader. You'd be a great public speaker. You would be so good in these areas. But instead, it was making fun of me because I talked a lot, because I took interest in people, because I wanted to share my ideas, my poems, my songs, my my passion. I wanted to share my passion with people. And that was a negative thing. Because I should just be quiet and meek and sit in the corner. Because that's, that's how women are supposed to be. We're supposed to be quiet. We're supposed to be demure. We're supposed to be eloquent. That's not who I am. And that negative narrative sent me into a spiraling depression because other kids didn't get me. And I hated myself for that. So really, like, negative narratives have played a huge role in driving me into the ground where I had to crawl my way out. And I did. Oh, man, I did. I had to reprogram myself. I had to dismantle all of those narratives. As you can see, I turned some of those negative narratives into strengths, into careers. But they hurt me for a long time. They were badges of wounds I held on my chest. And it's hard really looking at what people said to you forever ago. You know, you don't want to be like, oh, I still resent that person or that person really affected me and it's still affecting me today. It really sucks to say that. It sucks to look back and go, oh, these people really hurt me and they're still hurting me. They are still a thorn in my side, even though I haven't seen or spoken to them in 30 years. Nobody wants that. Nobody wants that kind of a burden on their heart. But if you have the courage to look into your past, if you have the courage to look at what people said to you, and you realize the negative impact it had on your emotional state, your mental state, or your own view of yourself, and you can see the patterns of the negative narratives and the roles they play in your life. I worked so hard in my life to become a listener, to be quiet. And just so you know, I never got to the point where I was meeting my own goal of being absolutely silent. I could not be silent for a whole day. I couldn't. My life could be at stake. And I don't think I would have had the power within me to do that. Now, is that a weakness? Absolutely. But can I turn it into a strength? Can I spin it into a strength? I did. And I am. And I will continue to do so. Are my intense emotions and my uh, ability to speak out against feelings of injustice are are those negative qualities? Oh, they sure as heck can. They put a target on my ba- back all the time. But being sensitive also makes me extremely empathetic. Makes me a great service provider for healing, for life coaching. 
because I have been through struggle. Because being so sensitive, I can tune into what my clients are feeling. So they are strengths. They were used as weapons against me. I turned them into weapons of self-harm for my own psyche and my own confidence as well. And negative narratives can go even beyond what people say to you or how people view you and how that affects how you view yourself. It can actually also be the little white lies you tell yourself about people or situations. The negative narrative of giving excuses for other people's ill behavior. I really want to talk about that. Because when somebody is hurting you, or somebody is not respecting you, or when somebody is doing something that is downright not, not okay, but you give excuses and you just enable them to continue to treat you that way because they're not such a bad guy, uh, they're not such a bad girl, they meant well, but you're not allowing them to take accountability for the fact that they hurt you. You're not even validating your own experience, your own emotions for that situation. You're creating a negative narrative that will continue to play out because you're not willing to see the truth of yourself, which is you were hurt and you deserve justice for that pain. That doesn't mean the other person is a bad person. Doesn't mean even that they intended for it to to be that way. Maybe they have pain that they're just not addressing either. But it's important that we start to look at the narratives that we have about others, the narratives we have about ourselves that are creating toxic patterns, whether it be enabling people to continue to hurt us or like demonizing people maybe who want to help us. You know, when I was a teenager... My parents have made a lot of poor choices in parenting, but they have always really cared about me. They had my best interests at heart, and maybe they just didn't have the tools or the resources or the understanding of how to go about helping me to the best of their ability. And that's, you know, that's something that they they had to research and needed to do stuff for, but... The point is they really cared about me and they wanted to help me and they tried their best. In that moment, they tried their best. But I demonized my parents when I really started to see like how, how messed up I had gotten from these narratives they had, had created around me. Um, that I kind of got trapped in these narratives that were beyond just somebody telling me who I was and beyond even me believing it because eventually I stopped believing it. But there was, like, doctors telling me that that was my narrative. And I couldn't escape that. I couldn't escape that. That was, that was, that was imprisonment. It was so horrifying. It was, it was really scary. But they, they really, they meant the best. They sent me to a doctor to get me help because they cared about me. But I demonized them. I made them the bad guys. I had these extremely negative narratives about my parents. When really I should have 
reframed the narrative of how loving my parents are, how much they really care about me, and that instead of focusing all my energy on hating them or demonizing them or blaming them, that really the problem was with my own emotional self-control, my emotional maturity, my ability to cope with stress, and that those are my problems and not my parents' problems, and my parents were only reacting to the intensity of it, that really I needed to be more self-aware. I needed to, to be more compassionate to my parents' deep love and concern for my mental and emotional health. And it took me a long, long time to unwrite the negative narratives I had for my parents. You might be writing negative narratives for your partners or your friends. You know, maybe somebody, you know, hurt you. Maybe they they did something that was unexpected, that there was some kind of, I don't know, a backlash on you. And you've written this narrative about them and their character. You rewrote who they were, even though they were your best friend. Even though you really thought they were this supportive person and suddenly you've rewritten the narrative because they let you down. And there's a bit of embarrassment because you let somebody let you down and you're like, oh my gosh, I can't believe I trusted this person. And, you know, that... That is a negative narrative too. You're not seeing the full picture of who they were and the one mistake they made, which very well could have just been a misunderstanding. You know, you both can be right. You both could be in the right. We have to untangle ourselves from narratives that are not supporting us, that are not supporting compassion and connection to other people, that are not supporting our emotional or mental well-being, we have to realize that these narratives are doing more than just perpetuating cycles or perpetuating emotional roller coaster rides because they do. They will and they do. For example, another type of negative narrative I've had in my life was when you know, um, I'm just going to say this so that if you aren't comfortable with this topic, you can skip ahead a little bit. Um, this is an adult topic for anyone out there. I'm just going to, you know, drop that bomb. I had my virginity taken against my will. And for years, I blamed myself for the trauma of that. It was my fault. I gave them the impression it was okay even though I said no. Like, there was just all of this warping. But I would repeat that story to people I met. The actual story of the event in depth, in detail. Now, that's something that trauma survivors do a lot. That is something trauma survivors do. Now, I didn't have somebody saying, oh, you have PTSD, this is something that you can like, you know, you, you need to go and like unwrite this narrative. You should really like forgive yourself and have compassion for yourself. Um, that was not something that I was being exposed to. But for a long time, I just had to retell the story. And it got me so depressed. 
The more I retold the story, people couldn't handle that. They didn't know how to to handle this information. A lot of people don't didn't even have a relatable experience, so they didn't know the appropriate emotional response. Like, oh my gosh, this person had this scary thing happen. Like, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for your, uh, like, what am I supposed to respond with? How am I supposed to help you? And the thing is, is like, I just wanted, I just wanted to share my story so that it was real. Like, to me, it was like there was no witness. And this person claimed it never happened. I just needed to tell people so that it was real to me. It was a narrative that I, I, I didn't, I don't know. It was painful. But repeating it so many times and having so many people reject me for this life event, that was painful. That made me think that this life event was like, you know, that this, this trauma that I went through was an inconvenience for others. That nobody understood this trauma. I was so lucky that there were a very, there were a couple of times that I talked to women that had similar experiences. And they were empathic, you know, empathetic about it. And they shared their experience and they related to me and they let me know, you know what? It's okay that happened. It wasn't your fault. It wasn't your fault. If you said no and you let it be known, even like even if you were like, hey, I'm just not interested, like that's a no too. If you were unconscious, that's a no for sure. You know, if if they just do something without asking, 100% a no. And if you did it because you felt bad, like if they pressured you into like, oh, I spent all this time with you. I went on this date. We had a good time. You're my best friend. Uh, you owe me. Those are all no's too. And it's okay. And they they gave me a hug. They heard me. They validated. They didn't, they didn't apologize. They knew that an apology didn't do anything for me. The narrative needed just to be heard. But if you're somebody who goes out there and repeats your trauma, tells the story, or even in your own mind, you find yourself having flashbacks, you can hold that space for yourself. It's not your fault. It's not your fault. You were 100% valid in your response to whatever happened. You had a logical response for whatever your trauma was. If you had a really traumatic thing that happened, like, you deserve a hug. You deserve to know that, like, you are now safe. You are now safe. You learned your lesson. Everything's okay now. You're safe. You are understood. You're not alone. There are people out there who've had experiences like you. And you are supported and loved. And, you know... This isn't really a pitch, but if there's anyone out there with situations where you just, you really need an ear, you really need to know like, hey, (laughs) what's going on with this narrative? What's going on here with this? Like, how do I evolve past this? Like, I am here. I, I coach. I'm, you know, I would love, love to be there for you and to support you. So... 
there's so many coaches out there and there's therapists out there. There's psychiatrists out there. You know, there are a lot of professionals who, you know, they're not all perfect. Find someone you really resonate with. Find someone that you can really feel in your heart that they are, they are there to cheer you on and to challenge you to grow. They're not going to keep you in your comfort zone. They're going to say some things that might make you a little uncomfortable because you have, you have to push through your comfort zone to heal. So I, I went over a lot today. A lot of this was very much a flow. It was very intuitive. Um, I touched on a lot of really heavy topics about negative narratives and the impact that they can have and my personal experience with negative narratives and how detrimental those narratives can be to self-esteem, to your mental and emotional states, to even processing things like trauma or connecting with loved ones like your partner or your parents or your friends. Negative narratives can deteriorate connections to people, can deteriorate your self-worth. It can deteriorate your mental and emotional stability over time. It's so important, you guys, that you look at your narratives the things that play on autopilot in the back of your mind, the ones that make you tear up and then you kind of feel crazy for it, those are the narratives you need to evaluate. And no matter what the source of it is, you know, some people believe that those narratives are whispered by spirits. Some people believe those narratives are our conscience you know, trying to share its guilt. Some people believe those narratives are just trauma-based. And whatever it may be, all three of those are things that once you become aware and once you're like, okay, I don't want this anymore, you can shift it. You can change it. You can start to say no more to those narratives. You can turn those narratives around. What I started doing for that one particular incident that happened where, you know, I was just sharing and sharing and sharing to everybody this extremely traumatic and graphic situation. I start, when I became aware of the narrative and how negatively it was impacting my connection to other people, whenever it came up, I held my tongue. I held my tongue. And I just said, this isn't happening right now. I am safe, and this isn't relevant to the conversation. I said that in my mind. And once I was able to start really censoring those narratives from my own mind, any time I think I'm, I'm worthless, people don't care how I feel, people don't care what I think, I turn it around. I reverse it. People care what I think. I am so worthy. I'm worthy of love. I'm worthy of respect. I am worthy of the attention that I seek. You know, not not attention seeking, but like if if I feel I want to be heard um because my heart needs that, I deserve that. I'm worthy of that. 
because I'm human. Because I deserve empathy too. I deserve a a friend to hear me. So start reversing your narratives. And you can even rewrite them. Rewrite the stories. Um, For trauma, for actual events like that one I shared, um, I would recommend working with someone who can do um, either like soul retrieval. You do some shamanic soul retrieval. um, You know, or, or really working on doing like trauma work. So working with a trauma-based therapist. The reason that those are good is soul retrieval allows you to go back to that event and to see it from a fresh perspective as you are now and being there to be able to support your younger self and to sometimes be able to mitigate that challenge by making different choices and kind of rewriting the narrative in the sense that you can shift um, the energetic events that happen. And when working with an actual counselor and being able to work through uh, trauma, it's, it's really important that you have someone who specializes in trauma, especially if you have trauma responses or um, any kind of uh, abuse history. You really need a support system you really need um, you need to go through uh, understanding the the patterns and understanding the dynamics so that you can really untangle any web of delusion or any web of um, confusion that might have happened from the event. Um, so I am here for you guys if anybody needs resources or needs any kind of support. Uh, you know where to find me. Just go to my website. Next week, we have the lovely Yovanka Sanchez. She is the founder of La Mariposa Films. And she has dedicated her life mission to helping support women and uh, women of diversity uh, to, to help bring equality and to help people understand the power of being their own heroine uh, of their stories and to bring more um, understanding of the the real true stories uh, that are not going recognized. And she has become a really, really inspirational, uh, I guess, uh, filmmaker. And it's just I'm very, very excited for the interview that we had and to share it with you all. Um, Super inspiring. And it was such a blessing to be able to work with her. So please look forward to that. And um, I'm after after our interview, I'm actually going to be taking several weeks for the holidays before uh, breaking into our new season. So um Please, please know that there will be several weeks of, um, you know, no content and that I'm going to be taking some time to get some some new things organized and get the next season ready for you all because we have so much exciting material we're going to be covering next season. As a friendly kind of reminder uh, I, I have been working on my Patreon and getting, getting my Patreon available so you guys can take a look at it and see, 
you know, see some of these tiers. I have some really cool art and stickers and merch stuff you can get when joining. Um, I also have added a, a tier for um, getting a monthly session at a huge discount, like 50 bucks off. And it's kind of like a membership. So if you guys are interested in supporting what I do, supporting, um, you know, just, I just want to be there for you guys. I want to be able to like share my experiences, share the guidance that I have, share the healing practices that have really helped me in my life. And to be able to expose you guys to these incredibly inspiring people that I come into contact with and um, just want to inspire you guys to strive to be the best versions of yourself and to always, you know, reach for the stars and ascend. And if you want to, you know, support what I do and you want to let me know that that you you love the content, check out my Patreon and you know, uh, if you're able to subscribe, it means so much to me. Other ways you can support the work that I do is booking a session or making a friendly donation to my PayPal or Venmo. You can always reach out to me and ask um, how you can how you can support me. Um, I just love doing what I do. I will continue to give you guys ad-free content besides obviously kind of letting you guys know that that, you know, Support is very, very helpful, helps pay for for the platform here so that I can continue to share this information and support you guys and to give you the love and uh, adoration that you deserve because you guys deserve to be supported. You guys deserve to get the coaching and the classes and the practices. Um, it should be all free. It, you shouldn't have to pay like thousands of dollars to somebody to improve your life. Information is power. And I want to give you guys back your power. Like, I want to give you guys all back your power. Like, that is my mission is to make information accessible to all people, no matter your budget. You could be homeless and listen to this podcast. And I, I just want to support you guys. So if, if you feel in your heart that you align with my mission, that you want to support my mission, um, you know, I, I would love the support. It means seriously the world to me to know that there's, there's people out there that value what I do and that, that want to help me continue to do this um, so, that, so that I can keep helping people. So uh, I love you guys so much. I'm so proud of you guys for doing all the work this year. Like, oh my gosh, we're we're like at the end of our first year. I mean, I, I started this in September of 2020 and here we are approaching 2022. We've got like 75 episodes out in this one year. Like, thank you guys so much for tuning in and checking out all this content. And for those of you who reached out, got sessions with me and joined my membership and have been like giving me like, you know, some pointers on what I can improve has been so, so helpful. It shows me that you guys are out there, that you're listening and that this really is beneficial for you. Do you guys really appreciate it? Um, 
I, I love it. I love it. I'm so grateful to each and every one of you. And uh, yeah, I hope you guys continue to ascend together and I'll be talking to you guys all on Sunday. Have a good one. Bye. Are you ready to ascend to the next level? This is Rainbow Raja, your spirit guide calling. Please be sure to keep all arms and legs inside your vessel at all times. I'm just here to remind you to take some time today. Support Rainbow's Rising podcast. Go join the Discord community. Check out the Patreon, get some stickers, custom tarot cards, check out the merch, the merch. You know you want to go connect with Rainbow Raja, maybe even get a session, who knows? Your support 
helps make this show possible. And she loves to support you. Help support her too. Once again, this is Rainbow Raja, your spirit guide, guiding you to your ascension. <laughs>